Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Here's a Boo Crew Fright Fact. Nicolas Cage got his stage name from a comic book character named Luke Cage. He's one of the defenders uh, Marvel. It's like the Hell's Kitchen of fighters. It's it's um, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and the other guy, the Cardi guy. I can't, I can't remember his name. In 1997, he lived in a recreation of a castle just outside of Los Angeles and he wanted to import an actual castle from overseas like an authentic castle Nick Cage rules right <laughs> totally yeah. welcome to our 200th episode Woo! wow yes this time around you're joined by the incredible Kevin Lewis he's a director of the film everyone is talking about starring the iconic Nicolas Cage battling a group of demonic animatronics. Damn, that's a tongue twister. Demonic animatronics. <laughs> we should do like a um, freestyle rap. Uh, that's all you. <laughs> you go for <laughs> that. You just a beat. Oh, jeez. Starring Here iconic Nicolas Cage <laughs> battling demonic animatronics. That's Yo. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Beat it up, Leo. That's right. Beat it up with the pinball machine. <laughs> Drink some of that power pup, yo. That's right. Boo crew. <laughs> In the house, yo. In the house, yo. <laughs> yo, yo, it's the boo crew, and it's kind of ironic. Nicholas Cage battling demonic animatronics. Don't smoke blunts, it's called the chronic. Bionic, playing the sonic. Leo, jump in. <laughs> Pump it up, yo. Pump it up, yo. Got I some need of that a colonic. It's so erotic when I read all the comics. Diet Coke is Clean my tonic. Up, I am moronic. This relationship's platonic, like Johnny Mnemonic. These rhymes are symphonic, chaotic, performing in the London Philharmonic. I think we just right lost. Your lips. Lauren, got- we just lost 200 listeners. Okay. <laughs> Do we even have 200 listeners? Probably not. No. Come on, Lauren, bust a rhyme. Oh no. No 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 no. no. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the movie is Willy's Wonderland. At time of release in theaters, drive-ins on demand and digital now. Kevin is, oh, we're going to bring this back, is such a passionate fan of the genre. He's an absolute blast to hang with. Listening to him is going to pump you up. Oh, oh, come on, Lord. Yo, yo, we got the, the Kevin Lewis. I don't know what rhymes with Lewis. Moxie Fruvis is a band from Canada. Oh, my God. Right. You'll hear about his love of Sam, <laughs> Sam Raimi and his love of collecting. <laughs> Should we just stop it and re-record, Leo? Oh what do you my think? God. <laughs> you can see the look on my face. Oh, okay. We'll talk about how this insanely fun adventure came to be. We'll talk about what it's like directing okay. Nick Cage. 
coming up with that incredible pinball machine, building the amazingly fun world of new characters into the horror lexicon, including Willie, Siren, Sarah, and the gang. This film and this inspiring chat is one not to miss, and we really know you are going to go absolutely crazy and fall in love with Kevin and his passion. Also, as Leo mentioned, this is a very special episode for us. Because of that rapping stuff we just did, it's probably our last episode. We're going to get kicked off Apple. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And Acast and BD. Yeah. It's probably done. <laughs> totally. I, I believe in it. <laughs> yeah, it's nice knowing you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fun, guys. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> Signing off on their 200th episode. So, uh, I don't know. What do you guys... What do you guys got to say about 200 episodes of, of this show? It's crazy to think that there has been 200 shows. I just, I can't even believe it. I, I don't think when we started doing this that we had any conception that it would last this long. No. Or, or that we'd be able to talk right. to, you know, some 200 plus guests. I remember in the beginning, Trevor's like, we're going to run out of guests. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That was you, Lauren. No, it was Was not. Lauren? Hell no. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I was uh, Lauren. That was Lauren. No, it was not. No, you're right. I think it was me. You're like, it's it's too bad we got nobody else booked. No, you know what the thing was? It wasn't that we'd run out of 200 guests to ask for. It's that people would just not come in. That's what is, it was. Is that what you That's meant? what it was. Yeah, of yes. course. Because I was like... I can't believe... Any Anytime we have anybody in here on the show, I cannot believe it. Honestly. It's true. I cannot right. believe it. It is true. You know, the people that we've had the opportunity to talk to and hear amazing stories from and people that, you know, I've looked up to being, you know, a kid. Like, my gosh, we had Danny Elfman, like, in our house. Yeah, that was yeah. crazy. That's like one of, like, I will never forget that. Or, I don't think our kids will ever forget that. Or Diablo Cody. Oh my right? gosh. Right. One of our favorite horror films ever, Jennifer's Body. And having yeah. the opportunity to have Diablo Cody come over to the house and spend time with her talking about the making of that film or having Megan Fox Skype in. Yeah. There's two chapters. Like, there's the pre pandemic chapter and then the post pandemic chapter chapter and like they're both very different like oh you mean the during the pandemic yeah the zoom yeah era yeah maybe i I explained that a little wrong uh but pre-pandemic we had people over to the house which proved to be a really different experience than zoom for sure and trying to get used to not having people here and it's like when people are here you kind of make this really unique connection i think that's just with anybody seeing someone in person and and i miss that and i try to think like oh if this person was here like what would it would have it been different right yeah i think about that all the time i can't wait and i yeah. wonder what what the world's gonna be like like when is that gonna be okay again because people right. will have a little bit of trepidation ourselves included right with vaccine rollouts and things like that, I'm sure, you know, it's slowly going to start happening probably over the next six months, I would imagine. And it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to have live musical performances yeah, back in the gosh, room. Yes. And, you know, now yeah. with the, the video component that we added to the show to be able to share those and delve into that world more is going to be cool. I can't wait to get more true crime episodes. I can't wait to get more supernatural episodes and then 
horror film releases, there just seems to be even more. I don't know what it is. It yeah. seems there's more than there was back at the end of 2017 when we started. Is it just me? Leo, does it seem like they're making no other new horror, new movies except for horror films these days? Yeah, comedy's dead. Rom-com is dead. Like, drama's dead. <laughs> the Oscars, hard. like, who even watches the Oscars? Right. Yeah, it's just like, you know. <laughs> it's just It's horror. all horror. It's amazing. I, it's I love like, it. Yeah, I, it's, it's a like, horror what? renaissance, right? Yeah, it's amazing because it's it's just like that time where these movie makers are not getting, you know, big budgets, getting very small budgets. They're forced to be super creative and they're giving us stuff where we're just like, whoa, that was pretty awesome. And you're getting these actors, right. That are, you know, fighting to get these roles, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're established actors, but we're seeing them now in horror now. And it trickles down to where do we, where do we want to watch it? VOD on demand, shutter, Netflix, Amazon prime, all that stuff. It's available everywhere now. So it's like, yeah, it sucks. And movie theaters are closed, might be open sometime later this year. Who knows? But the, um, the quantity of horror and a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff is just coming out like weekly. Yeah, it's crazy. Like we have been doing so many episodes just trying to like keep up with everything. The, the film releases. Yeah. Going yeah, on. And yeah. it's February and it feels like it's October. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. It's an amazing time to be a horror fan. It's an amazing time right. to be able to do this show for you listening yeah. as well. We really sincerely thank you so much for giving a shit about the Boo Crew or the Boo yeah. Crew would <laughs> fucking not exist. That is 100% yeah. true. Like you <laughs> fuel us and I just thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And thank you for following us on Instagram. And our shitty Twitter number. <laughs> hey. We do have a Twitter page. We're trying. What can we say? Hey, We're you, know, you know, I was asked a really difficult question the other day when I brought this up. Somebody asked me, it's one of our listeners, by the way. Actually, I don't even know this person, to be honest with you. It's like, it's like a friend of a friend kind of deal. Sure. And that person asked me, and I'm like, the question was, who is your favorite guest to date? Only one. And I was like, you know what? It's like having 200 kids and you have to pick, you know, the, the best one, right? It's like, you can't. Yeah, you can't. you're right. You can't? You can't. You can't. You can't. I can't. <laughs> I cannot. What, you can? I know you can. <laughs> you can? <laughs> She's I'm like, I got four and yes, I'm I can. I'm totally kidding. No, every, you know, our kids, like, they're oh, all my oh, the favorite. kids. You're talking about our kids again. Yeah. So no, I'm I asked about you this the episodes. Question. I'm asking you guys this question, though. Who is that one episode that stands out out of all of these? And, and it's not because it's, you know, of, of who the person is or, you know, or, or the quality of the movie or their celebrity status or whatever. What is the one episode that stands out to you guys? It's a really good question. Lauren, you go first. Oh, me? Yeah. Why me? I'm just curious. I mean, <laughs> I, I know instantly when Leo says that, there's one episode I think of, and I'll tell you why yeah. I think of it. Okay, go ahead. But the one that comes to mind is episode 85 with yes. Mike Flanagan and Kate Siegel. And the reason that I picked that one is because that is one of the ones I remember honestly like being yeah, moved to tears. Yeah. But was, there's a couple times that has happened in the room. That happened with R.H. Davis as well. And I remember that very fondly. I yeah, think me, the whole room was right. in tears at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, that was when she was talking about protecting children. And yeah. with Mike Flanagan and Kate Siegel, I, I think it was, you know, being present for them, t 
talking about their reverence for each other and their creative right. relationship and just the way that I mean, Mike Flanagan is such an eloquent writer. The guy right. behind Hill House and Blind Manor, Doctor Sleep and all these amazing films. He talks like he writes. So to be able to be present for that moment when he's talking to right. his wife and reflecting on the relationship and she's right there. And that was just a really cool, one of very many cool moments that have happened, surreal and amazing moments that we've been able to experience and that you right. listening have been able to experience as well. Definitely. I want to hear yours. Wow. I would have to say like one, it's not, you know, cause you cannot pick no. a favorite. Yeah, You episode. can't pick a favorite episode. Each one, right. like you said, is a different entire experience. Yeah. Right. But I want to say that I had a really, really fun time with Jamie Kennedy. Like yeah. he yes. made me laugh and he just like got us yeah. like in yeah. a way yeah. that like some people don't. And he was just so complimentary and he was so funny. Hilarious. Yes. And, yeah. you know, I Lee Winnell was like that as well. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes, yes. Those the people that just get you. It's rare. And I felt that both those guests got us and got what we were doing. And I love them to pieces. And it just made an impact on my brain. But I mean, I have so many favorites, you know, I, it's like, it's so hard to pick like Elvira, Elvira was here. Right. Like that right. was amazing. And Samara weaving and Adam Brody, like ready or not is one of my favorite movies of all time. And radio silence, like those guys were here and yes. I could ask them every single question I ever had about ready or not. And they were going right. to sit and listen to me and answer it. So yeah. that was amazing. And Justin Deck and Elizabeth Lale, because I love you. And right. they, countdown was so great. It was yeah. Such a fun I movie. loved that movie. And just that was Justin Deck's like first feature horror film too. Yeah. That's right. Being yeah. able to share in that moment with Justin and to share it with you listening as well. It's just like yeah. amazing moments that we'll never forget. No, definitely. And then, right. you know, a lot of those were all in person, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like yes. I see it as different chapters. Is that weird? But no, that's that just sense. how I see it. And then like post pandemic, you, you know, or well, we're still in the pandemic, but I just like over zoom, you know, the guys from host, they were so awesome and that movie scared yes. the crap out of me. And they're <laughs> yeah. so nice and I can't believe what they did during this pandemic. Like that they yeah. made something so scary and how it was all orchestrated. You know, I love chatting with them and Sophia Lillis and just there's been so many great people. Kevin Bacon. And so many great films. Like over the past yeah. 200 episodes, there's been so many fucking great yeah. pieces of art put out into the right. world. It's been just a joy to be a horror fan. And one thing, yep. speaking of the pandemic, one thing you're about to hear in the interview with Kevin Lewis is he nearly died yeah. from COVID. And he talks yep. about his experience fighting in the hospital. And that is an incredibly 
poignant moment in the history of this show for us to listen to. I mean, it's a time capsule of what the world is facing right now. He talks in detail about that. And it's very, very compelling. If you want to hear what Kevin uh, wrote, he wrote the article on IndieWire. It's dated uh, February 13th of this year. And he details everything that he went through when he was sick with COVID. And I'll tell you, this like scared me straight because it's like people that, you know, that just, you know, want to walk it off and just say, oh, it's just a little cold, whatever. But it's like, he almost died, you know? The week his movie came out. It's shocking. I'm so glad he's okay because he's such a cool guy. Oh, he's such a cool guy. The movie's so much fun. He's so creative (laughs) and yeah, it's so fun. And so I'm so glad that he survived. I also want to say that I love Chris Landon. Yes. <laughs> hell yes. Yeah. Chris Landon, Jessica Rod, yeah. Catherine Newton. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Tony Gardner. Yeah. Like, Greg so Nicotero. Creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Like, the list goes on. Well, speaking of the list, we should let Leo see, cut in with his yeah, before we throw it to the yeah, interview. Well, yeah. see, for me, and it's those exact same reasons you stated, it's Mike Flanagan, Kate Siegel, okay? The number one. But also... Because he gave us this story, which I never heard before, and that's the origin of Mike Flanagan. And this is what I tell people, you know, we know a lot of creative people, and they're, you know, everybody, everybody wants to make a movie, right? Everybody wants to be a horror director, right? And they think that they might have to go to school and do this and do that and do that. And it's like, you know what? You should really hear what Mike has to say about it, about his beginnings. And not just him, but listen to what Johannes Roberts says and B.J. McDonald and the Radio Silence guys, Richard Stanley, Oz Perkins, Darren Lynn Bowsman, Chelsea Stardust, Axel Carolyn, John Snitzer, Chris Landon, all these, you know, amazing directors that are working in the genre. Because what they have to say is kind of the primer, you know? If you want to learn, they are, re- they are giving you the gospel. Like, you got to listen to these episodes. Like, it's just amazing when you hear that, you know, not one of them went to the, you know, some famous academy of film and whatever, and like, you know, got the perfect, you know, grades and did this. And it's, it's like, no, it's like, they all have a story of, it's like right time, right place, luck, hard work, luck, hard work, luck, hard work, timing, luck, you know, it's just like the different variations, but they're all great stories. And you hear them about these movies that they made with no budgets and that they, you know, they, played in and you know to work with these actors and these actors gave them their all and their movies turned out to be fantastic but to me that's what i think about when i listen to the mike flanagan kate siegel because it's not just how amazing he is as a director and writer and, and producer and she is as an actress but it's also their relationship and it's like hey that's 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 love you know it's like and just listening to them we're sitting, you know, sitting in the same room, listening to the conversation. It, it was very, very moving, very touching. And just the fact that, you know, we have to spend time with him and a bunch of these other directors. I just tell people, everybody's got a story to tell you. You may not know their name, but I'll tell you, know, I'm telling you that they're, they're producing some amazing content. If you've seen these, you know, their early movies, or the ones they just started producing or their first freshman movie, they just put out whatever it is. And, you know, Keep their name in your mind because, you know, they'll be working for a long time, bringing us some awesome, awesome horror content. When we talk about 200 guests, like I keep thinking of people like I would be here all day talking about everybody that's been on in my experience. But I also want to bring up 
the great Alex Wolf because he <laughs> was amazing and he came in here and he made up some crazy song of us about us killing him and putting him <laughs> into little pieces and he was right. so great with my kids like my kids are like can he babysit us please yeah. i'm like uh probably not but he was just such a just a kind person and just so engaging and just funny and just sweet and he's so talented and i loved his movie cat in the moon it's not exactly horror but i mean there's some horror elements of you know growing up and super talented dude listen we do this show for you listening we do it out of our passion for the genre and the reverence for the talent of all these people who we've been fortunate enough to feature for you. And we cannot wait to continue it for many hundreds of more episodes. And that said, here's our 200th episode, Kevin Lewis. This is Kevin Lewis, and you are trapped inside another fun-filled episode of The Boo Crew. He's not trapped in here with them. We are trapped in here with him. It's your friend. It's birthday time. I enjoy a man a few words. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a uniquely talented writer, director, and producer. His vision and creative approach got him into the best film school in the world at USC, the same halls that brought us George Lucas, Robert Zemeckis, Sam Peckinpah, Judd Apatow, and countless others. In 1996, he wrote and directed his first film, The Method, which got distribution at Slamdance. Since then, he's worked on a handful of features like Downward Angel, the award-winning Dark Heart, The Drop in 2006, and The Third Nail in 2007 with Huntley Ritter and Chloe Grace Moretz. This is a celebration of a truly insane and inspired new film that on paper sounds unlikely and impossible. And that's why we love it so much, because you're hanging out with the guy who made it happen. A mysterious drifter played by Nicolas Cage takes an odd job to pay off a debt at a condemned family restaurant and arcade where he must survive through the night being attacked by demonic animatronics. It is glorious. And what we get is an extremely fun, gory, no-holds-barred horror adventure with bold lighting, aggressive camera work, and iconic performances. That film is the brand new Willy's Wonderland, and we welcome its director, Kevin Lewis. Yeah. yeah, guys, I don't even know what to say. I think the interview's over. Like that was amazing. <laughs> right now, dude, this Aww. film is something else. And I mean, congratulations yeah. on it. And what an absolute joy of an escape this was. I'll say first off, yeah, it's so cool, guys. You made my day, week, month. I mean, <laughs> I made it for us, man. You know, I made it for fanboys and fangirls and geeks and nerds and everybody and everybody just have fun and and, and just enjoy this this pop culture a blender of of 80s and horror and uh vintage and all of it man you know so thank you thank you what was your relationship and personal history with the horror genre like 
What were some of the first movies you remember seeing that really impacted you? Well, number one is Evil Dead. Yeah. Sam Raimi is my favorite filmmaker. I met him when I first came out to L.A. at the Shrine. At that time, they would have uh, pop culture shrines on Saturdays and Sundays. Cons, basically. And I met him and I had my Army of Darkness poster. I still have it. It's framed. And um, it was an exclusive poster. They used it on the Dark Horse comic when they did the adaptation. And I met him and he signed it. And I just was starting film school. And he signed it, you know, Kevin, uh, keep them rolling. Look, looking for your name on the big screen. Keep them rolling, Sam Raimi. Oh. I'm not a big autograph guy. You know, it's interesting. So my grandfather uh, was, is, uh, was, was Tom Tully. And Tom Tully, back in the day, he was in the K-Mutiny. He was actually up for a supporting actor uh, for K-Mutiny. He was the captain that Humphrey Bogart takes over. And he did Destination Tokyo. And he did, uh, all, he was great. He was like the tough Irishman in the World War II uh, movies. And interesting story with him is when the, the whole uh, communist scare, Red Scare thing happened, John Wayne asked him who he was going to vote for, McCarthy. He said, none of your business. And so he was labeled a communist. And so he didn't get work. Him, King Vidor, they, they, they couldn't get work. And uh, Danny Thomas was the first one to help my grandfather uh, get work on his variety show. And uh, Tom Tully, he has a, a star on the Walk of Fame. So I know I'm going all these different directions, but what it's coming back to is uh, my mom has this book of autographs and it's amazing. And it's like Charlton Heston and all these just amazing actors, black and white, where there's a little girl sitting on their lap. And so as a kid, I would go through that and just be amazed. Oh, but like I said, I was never not a huge fan of autographs. And, and so, but standing in line for Sam was just amazing. And then later on, I met Bruce and he said, Kevin, ignore what this guy below says. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and I, then I had a lot of the crew sign it. And so Evil Dead for me when I was little, when it came out on VHS, another, this is a fun story. So I was a little kid. VHS is, of course, are big. First VHS we got was, a, you know, one of those huge boxes, metal boxes, you know, and uh, Raiders comes with it. And Raiders was like was my favorite movie at the time. I just love Raiders. And uh, uh, my mom gives me money to go get some milk at the store. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ride my bike and get some milk. So as I go right to the store, they just open a new video store. So I check out the video store and I rent out Nightmare on Elm Street and I rent uh, Evil Dead and uh, I spent the milk money. (laughs) I I get in the, on my bike, I ride back to my mom's house and uh, our house. And I say, Hey mom, uh, they're out of milk. Uh, but I got, I got, I got evil dead. I got nightmare night on Elm street and mom, she's just staring at me. And my sister, who's like 12, 13 years older comes to, he's an addict. He's a movie addict. You need to ground him. This is unacceptable. He needs to go to his room. So yeah, for about a week, I was just in jail. And, uh, <laughs> But Evil Dead it holds a special place in my heart. Oh, my God. And, uh, that's a great story. I just, I just love 
Sam Raimi. I love Simple Plan. I love Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. So, of course, we did Spidey. Um, interesting story with that. When I got out of college, I had a script called Storming Heaven. I interned for John McTiernan. It's funny. I interned for John McTiernan and Rennie Harlan. Uh, Rennie Harlan on Cliffhanger. Or not Cliffhanger, I'm sorry. Cutthroat Island and McTee on uh, Last Action Hero. So, uh, that says a lot right there. Like I said, so maybe I was bad luck, but uh, <laughs> I, I interned for them and uh, I interned for McTiernan and his wife was going to produce uh, my movie. It's called Storming Heaven. And I had Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst attached to no it. No way. <laughs> I went to lunch with Kirsten <laughs> wow. and her mom. Her mom was beautiful, so nice, wonderful. And Kirsten was just incredible. And then Toby was just fantastic. Toby was coming off the ice storm. And uh, Woody Allen's uh, new movie. And uh, I had that. And of course, it didn't happen. We know what happened with Don and John. And anyways, the point is, I've been so close to the brass ring on, on so many things. I, I had a movie that Maz Mickelson wanted to do before he won this Cannes Film Award, you know, but the financiers were like, no, Maz doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, what do you mean he doesn't mean? He's the most awesome guy. I was talking to him every day. What a wonderful human being. So it's so cool. To be, you know, in, you know, I've been a pop culture, like I said, geek all my life. I collect Kenner, Star Wars, Hasbro. I got Sideshow. I got uh, Hot Toys. I like to do little games with my wife. I'll, I'll replace a lamp and put a Yurikai statue in for more of the things <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a holding the head, you know, and yeah. stuff. How many days it'll take her to figure it out? <laughs> now I got my, I got two teenagers who's, uh, 15 and 16. And then I got two little boys who are five and seven. So now I have them start doing it. My little boys, hopefully uh, parental control is not going to come to the house here, but they bring me uh, uh, cartoons of Willie all the time. They draw Willie and his friends. <clears throat> they just love it. And, uh, and it's so cool. Then my kids had the Willie Wonderland watch party and like 30 friends there. And I was like, man, this is what life's about. Right? This is what movies are about. And uh, God bless people that want, have um, amazing messages they want to say and they're, they're passing projects and there's room for it all. You know, there's room for it all, you know, but I'm telling you, you know, when I was younger, I made my first movie, like The Method, a lot of angst, you know, and all that stuff. But, you know, you get older, it's like, man, I just want to make fun movies. I want to make movies that people just enjoy, put a smile on their face. What's going on now with COVID and the political landscape, man. It's like, and what I just been through, I was just, you know, I want to make movies for people just to have fun. And uh, I just have a, such a joy talking to you guys right now about Willie's that you guys had fun and, and, and you enjoyed it and, and seeing all the audience uh, you know, reviews and seeing you know, like a mom sitting there with her son and they watched it twice or somebody saying they had a, just a horrible day from work and whatever. And they came home and put a smile on their face. And I was talking to a journalist uh, today and she was saying how she watched it at midnight and uh, around one, she's cracking di diet Dr. Peppers like the janitor. I mean, it's like, <laughs> how cool is that? Right. <laughs> That's I mean, the best. I'm just so excited to be here. And I'm, I know I'm running off tangents here and there. It was one question you asked. I probably took up like 10 minutes. No, I'm this sorry. is wonderful. But, this uh, is the stuff that we live for, man. Well, let, uh, let's get into Willie's Wonder. So how long was the script kicking around for? And how did you end up being the guy brave enough and lucky enough to make it? Brave enough and lucky enough. Lucky. This is a great story. So um, Siren Sarah, <clears throat> Jessica Davis. Yeah. 
he had an acting class with Gio, the writer who wrote the great script. And so uh, she liked it and she brought it to her husband, Jeremy Daniel Davis. <clears throat> and then he liked it. Now, Jeremy and I go way back. Jer <laughs> I made a movie called Malibu Spring Break. I'm sure as people see on IMDb, it was for Crown Entertainment. Back in the day in the 80s, they did my Tudor and the TNA films. Sure. So I wrote it in three days. I shot it at nine. I'm sure it looks like that. Probably looks worse. But the point is, uh, Jeremy was an actor on it. And uh, that's when I met him, when he was a young actor. And we were doing him. He tells the story a lot better, by the way. But I, I was making the movie and I was under the gun nine days. You know, I'm sure the producers were talking to me about the hot tub scenes and how many angles we needed on that one. <laughs> but I was making that movie and, and uh, I promised Jeremy a scene, his scene. We're going to improv, we're going to do stuff. And at the end of the day, I stopped and I, and I got it done. And so he never forgot that as an actor. So later down the road, I'm working on a film, the one with Maz Mickelson mm -hmm. and attached. And um, he comes in and he meets one of the producers and they tell him, well, I'm working with Kevin. He's out oh, the same Kevin, whatever. And we hook up and it was like amazing. And he tried to help me with that. And um, that didn't, didn't go. But then later down the line, he remembers, he brings me Willie. He just said, I knew you were the right guy for this. So Malibu spring break equals <laughs> Willie's Wonderland. <laughs> Unbelievable. Is that, is that crazy? Yeah. So, you know, I remember, so I remember an agent at the time wow. telling me, you get Kevin, you, you, you get a career with the movies you turn down within the movies you do. And I was like, well, Hey man, no one's ringing my phone. So I ain't turning any movies down. I got a wife and a kid now, you know, so I've got to do what I got to do. And I think everything, you know, you, you work on, you get better and better and better. I shot that movie on 35 millimeter, you know, I mean, back in the day. So now, you know, we got iPhones and this great technology. So you have this just great creative outlet that if you want to go shoot something, you can't, you know, so I just felt like, you know, I'm going to work. And so I did that movie and look what happened. I got willies. I would never be here without Malibu spring break. Wow. Unbelievable. That's a crazy lesson like, too, right? Yeah. Like half a star on IMDb, it, you know, and, uh, but no, it's true. And it's like, that just shows you about life, right? Yeah. You just yeah. never know. Yeah. It so really does. Jeremy Daniel Davis yeah. was the unsung hero to this movie because he worked tirelessly every day for years to put this movie together. We had a financing company that fell through. I mean, there was guys, there's so many stories. The book behind Willie's could be so interesting. Could be a lot of fun. You know, a lot of people there, there was one company we would meet and it was like, I was like the redhead. We were like the redheaded child of the step table. You know, it's like, uh, we'd meet them after they, they'd be closing shop, you know? And it's like, it was just this kind of little quirky little movie firm, you know? And I was like, guys, you don't get this. This thing could be fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what we're going to do and, it's hard, you know, you got to get people on the, on the train, on the vision, you know, and uh, God bless Nick. I mean, he and Mike Nylon, his manager, amazing. Mike Nylon loved the script and uh, uh, Nick loved it and uh, was loyal, man. He was on this movie for almost a year. Never gave up. Always calling is Mike, Mike calling. You know, that's why they're producers on it, you know, and uh he just loved the project. I remember him saying, wow, we don't get these kind of scripts anymore. Huh. You know, that's um, amazing. The Boo Crew will be right back.
back. Stephen King, author of Carrie, said, Evil Dead is the most ferociously original horror film of the year. If you think he's kidding, see for yourself. Evil Dead, they got up on the wrong side of the grave. Evil Dead, from New Line Cinema. Starts tomorrow at these theaters. Check newspapers for time. Well, talking about that, I'm really curious about... Because everything about this film is so perfect in how delightfully absurd and wonderful it all is. And one just can't imagine anyone else besides Nick Cage playing the janitor. Was the concept of the story always like, this is rooted in Nicolas Cage would be amazing oh, yeah. at this? Or was were there other people that were backups or how did that no. work? No, Nick, Nick, <sighs> Nick, Nick. And uh, Gio loved Nick. You know, um, we had a, a casting director, Venus Kanani. She loved Nick. We had uh, Jeremy love Nick. And I, of course, I love Nick. I love yeah. Nick since Vampire's Kiss, man. <sighs> I mean, I love that movie. Nick's been one of my favorite actors of, of the whole of, you know, going to you know college, going to see Wild at Heart at midnight. I mean, just he's the coolest. And man, he lived up. You know, they say, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Meet your heroes with Nick Cage. The guy is amazing. And uh, we all know incredible actor, amazing partner to make a movie with. And, and you know what? Just a fantastic human being. When you meet him, you could just feel his soul, his heart. Wow. Just such a wonderful man. And uh, I was so cool. He has this ring. It's like a skull ring. It was just really wicked cool. I was like, wow, Nick, that's an awesome ring. He's like, thanks. He's like, it's made up of all my kids' wisdom teeth. Whoa, that's wow. cool. That's yeah. awesome. I have a, a necklace made out of breast milk. Yeah, yeah. you and Nick Cage oh, got something yeah. coming, right. man. He'd think that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's awesome. You know what's so cool, guys? I was sitting telling Nick, like, the trials and tribulations of what I've been through, man, on making movies, stuff, and you could just feel – you know, he didn't know me, man. Yeah. He, you know, he watched one of my movies, him and Mike, and they liked it. So they were cool with me directing, but he didn't know me, you know, and you could just feel the, the heartwarming passion. You know, I wrote that piece about getting COVID and uh, he texted me, you know, he's just a great guy. And I got spoiled, you know, I mean, we never got one creative disagreement. We saw the movie Every day texting each other and emailing each other, we saw it as one, man. You know, it was so cool too. So he's a producer on the movie. But like at the end of the film, it was like, it was on a Thursday and we finished shooting the big Willie fight. And that was a hell of a day. It was like a seven page day. We shot the whole Beth Grant coming in, all that, her getting wiped out and Willie all in that one day. And uh, he, he left like Ghost Rider, man, you know, you know, just in, but before he left, he just turned, he gave me a look. It was great. He said to everybody and he goes to everybody, he goes, good luck with your movie. And I just thought, what a wonderful thing to say. He's not saying it's his movie. He's the producer. I'm Nick Cage. I'm the janitor. I'm the reason this movie got financed, right? Like, good luck with your movie. Cause he knew he was off to his other adventures. 
and it was going to go in post and, you know, things could change in post and whatever. And it's like, and I remember I read an article about him and he said, if he gets, you know, he is, he doesn't have control of course of a lot of films and things. And he said, if he just gets three good scenes out of a movie, he's happy. I just thought, what a wonderful thing to say. Good luck with your movie because oh. it was everybody's movie. It's, it's Molly Coffey's movie, the production designer. It's Dave Newbert's movie, who's the DP. You know, it's Charlie Parrish's movie, who's the stunt coordinator. I can go on and on. You know, Joe, the you know, set, uh, set uh, decorator. Ryan Liebert, the editor. Man, it's everybody's movie. Yeah. Days of Kubrick are over, man. You know, to get films made, and I love Kubrick, to get films made, you know, and you, you could just see, like, how many producers. Some, I think on Gotti, there's, like, 50 producers. It's just pieces you know, now because they are so hard to get made. So there's a lot of people behind Willie's that, that help get this made. And, but Jeremy Daniel Davis, man, every day working, talking to Mike Nylon, figuring it out, you know, and props hats off. And we're doing another picture together, which is great. Another doing picture with Emwa who did this, uh, the music. I got my friend, Paul, Paul N.G. Otteson, he did the sound design for Willie's. What's cool with Paul is he's a three-time Academy Award winner. So he won um, Oscars for Hurt Locker and uh, Zero Dark Thirty. And he worked with Sam Raimi, actually, on the Spider-Man movies and uh, Drag Me to Hell. Oh, he wow. worked with uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. I've known Paul for a while. He did it for me for a favor because there's no way I could pay his salary. But he also did it. He really liked the movie. And I knew the movie needed a great sound design. You know, and he took his time. The guy was doing Lawrence of Arabia remaster in Atmos for Sony. And he get jumps on Willie's true friend. Oh, it's such a passion project. I love it. You got Nicolas Cage to play a character that does something or does not do something very unique in this movie. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, yeah. why did you choose to go in this direction? It's very unique. And I was very surprised, but it's very effective and a lot of fun. Well, you know, the script called for it. Do we do, do we guys, do we spoil it or no? We can, uh, we can go ahead. I think it's, it's well known, right? It's yeah, well documented yeah. at this well point, known. right? It's well documented. Okay. So he doesn't talk, right? So, yeah. Uh, Cause there's some cool stories with this. So in the script, he didn't talk until he says one line, he comes out of the kitchen. And I was like, wow, this line's gotta be powerful. And is it a line like groovy? You know, is it a line like, yo, she bitch, let's go. Is it a Bruce Willis line? Is it it's birthday time? Like, what is it? Right. So we were struggling with that. And then I was talking to Nick about it and he didn't want to say anything. And he said something interesting. He said, you know, the janitor speaks only when he feels it's necessary and he doesn't feel it's necessary to speak. He said, Willie and the creatures are trash to him. And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) And I was down with it. So what we do, what I wanted to do was I do that push in and he comes out and you're like, oh yeah, here it is. Here's the line. We've all been waiting for it. And he says nothing. <laughs> it's the best it's misdirect, right? Yeah, it's right? Nothing it's about this movie is what you'd expect, which is what's so awesome about it. I worked really hard on that. That's right. And I just thought that was just super cool, you know? And so he was channeling Charles Bronson from uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. And what was so cool about this was one of the producers, really best friend of mine, actually, Scott Harbert, he gave him a, uh, Scott gave Nick a classic like steel book box set of Once Upon a Time in the West 
with the harmonica, a replica of the harmonica. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah. And Nick wow. was so, so pumped. And he's like, and so I, I love this. So he's about to leave set, right? And he forgets the box. And then he comes back and goes, where's my super groovy box at? You know? <laughs> and he took his box. Uh, so my friend Scott gave that to him as a gift just to say, hey, thank you, you know, for being here. And I'll tell you guys, the last day of shooting on that Thursday for the, for the lunch, Nick was in the set and he waited and signed every crew and cast members poster took pictures, whatever took the lunch time. And it was a line wrapped around and he did that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. That's awesome. How many Mandy stuff I saw pulling out. Sure. You know, like, <laughs> right. It was so funny. So it's so funny. So my friend Scott, he gets like Mandy, this like cool Mandy steel book. And then this different Mandy, you know, uh, uh, from Europe or whatever. And Nick's just, which is great. He's like, Kevin, you don't want one from Nick, you know? And I'm like, Hey man, I directed him, man. Right. All good. And let some, <laughs> let somebody else get, get it that they want, you know? So, but he stayed there and, and signed for everybody. What was it like directing Nicholas Cage? What does that dance look like? Guys, it was so awesome. Again, another Nick, great Nick Cage story. So we'd be setting up the shot. So I did a 70 page shot list for this movie because this movie I knew was like, I'm not going to be going in and pulling a Lars von Trier or something going, yeah, we're going to have cameras, you know, flying around here. I love <laughs> Lars. By the way. Car, you know, this is what we're going to do. And hey, what are you feeling today? Oh, I don't know. Let's just, no, this ain't that kind of movie. So Dave Newbert and I, we worked on this shot list. We did shot lens dolly. I mean, it was like, boom, boom, boom. And, um, and so we did the rage cage or cage rage. And, uh, and so the rage cage was like when, when Nick gets pissed off, I call it the Popeye moment when he gets, you know, to fight the animatronics, we did like the camera shake. Yeah. We shot it like 18 frames per second. But then we had like people flashing in uh, for the lens. We love lens flares. So we were having lights, uh, people doing the flashlights, camera, the ACs, putting in the, in the in, uh, flashlights. And so we were trying to do our own. And I love Darren Aronofsky and Requiem for the Dream is just such a great movie. I know it's a hard movie to watch, but aesthetically, it's just mind blowing. I remember seeing that and I went to the theater in L.A. and I was like, man, I got to up my game. That the movie just kicked my ass. It was amazing. And so anyways, there's that scene when Marlon Wayans is in the jail cell and he's like, let me out or whatever. At the, when all the hell's breaking loose. And it looks like the, the, the film is shaking and this film's going off the sprockets. I was like, that's what I want for the beatdowns because I was originally, I wanted like the punch pop. He drinks it. You zoom in, in his heart. You see the punch pop fly in his heart. Come out. You get the muscles going on. Right. But I was like, okay. Then they go, Kev, you got 20 days. I'm like, okay, that ain't going to happen. Right. So here's what we're going to do. So we worked every day on this shot list together. It's a great, one of the best experiences you know, watched movies. It was cool. Cause I was like, God, you know, I love Sam. I love Dan Arnowski. I love, uh, uh, Danny Boyle. I love Nicholas Renfin drive is one of my favorite movies. I have the poster hanging. Movie. Such I'm a great movie. These are the guys that just make me just the passion of, of making movies. And, uh, the idea is, you know, it's hard, man. It's hard. The, the, the journey of Willie's was not easy. And uh, I would rely on their, these filmmakers to get me by, man. I'd watch their movies time and time again, you know, the passion and everything. And so we, we did the shot list 
I gave it to Nick. I gave it to everybody, man. I didn't care. You know, Hey, if someone's got a better idea, now's the time to talk. Mm. You know, I mean, it wasn't like, Hey, this is the shot list and this is what, no, but everybody dug it and it made sense. And so that's what, and we guys, we got 85% of that shot list on this movie. Wow. um, We did it. And we wouldn't have done it if we we weren't prepared. I mean, interesting story. So the way we set it up was it was a madness because clean set, dirty set, clean set, dirty set, you know? And so we shot everything on the clean first, then art department came in and got everything dirty. So if I missed something on the clean set, I was screwed, you know? And there was one shot that I missed and it's a pivotal shot. We were flying that day. And I was like, we got to get this back. And it was the, it was actually the dirty set on the bathroom. Got it. And it was when Nick turns around and he hears the, the creatures and he does the wipe to the thing and he leaves. And I was like, I got a wide of it, but I need that. I need that close up. I need to see his face because he's pissed off. And it was nagging at me that day. And I was thinking, Kevin, you're missing something. You're missing something. And so I went home every night. I would go home and just work homework, making sure it's so funny because people go the narrative, you know, the story, there's not much story there. Well, I was trying to make sure the story made sense. Yeah. So I would go through the narrative beats and going what we need and what we need. Okay. That's a cool shot. That's great. But what do we need to tell the story? You got to get the meat and potatoes first, then we can have fun. I, I came back that next day and they were taking that set down. Oh, no. And I was like, we're bringing a camera right now. Let's get Nick. We, we got to get this shot. I was that was, I was parent. I was like, we, we have to get this. And we did, we got it, but it was that kind of movie, man, you know, clean set, dirty set, you know? And if you miss something, you're screwed. And Molly would come up to me, production designer, because you sure you have everything, you know? And then I got the, the first AD going, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And I got, you know, line producer going, don't go over budget, you know, and you got all these things going you know, on. So it's funny when people go, you know, I want to direct a movie. It's like, well, good luck with that. It's a, it's a very, Hard job. It, it, it's a piece of your soul if you care. And I want to make movies that I really care about. I'm not down to making, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. No. Willie's Wonderland, I treat it like Citizen Kane. I know that sounds crazy, but to me, guys, I was like, you know what? This is my last movie. I'm going out like this. And, you know, with what happened to me with COVID, it sure could have been. Were there any moments that Nick invented yeah. on the fly that just gave you goosebumps? Oh yeah. The pinball sequence. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That yeah. was all Nick. Wow. So we let the nice. cameras roll. I had like three cameras. I mean, first take just rolled. I texted him that night or emailed him. And I said, you know, seeing you work, that's the reason why I want, I make movies. The, the, the crew clapped. There was another cool scene that got cut. Hopefully someday people will see it. Yeah, I loved it. it. It didn't make the final cut, but it was Ozzy the ostrich. He does the beat down to Ozzy. At the end, he looks at the ostrich. He picks up the ostrich. He hugs it and kisses it and then drops it. <laughs> I hope on the Blu-ray, I hope nice. on the Blu-ray people can see that because that is the Nick Kate. I never, you know, to me, it's like when I, when I went to do the film, I talked to a lot of my buddies and I said, what are the five things that you want out of this movie? Well, number one was practical effects. 
They're like, make a practical effect movie. People are too, too tired of CG. And, and we didn't have a big budget for CG anyways, right? And so it was practical effects. And then another one was like, let Nick Cage be Nick Cage. Yeah. And so with that Aussie hug and kiss, that was Nick being Nick. And everybody clapped and went crazy. And it, it's fun. And I hope it lands on the Blu-ray. But there's so many things I could say. I, I love Nick when he, uh, a couple things. I love... The idea when we were on the first day, we shot the ending scene with him giving Liv the punch pop. Mm-hmm. That's the first shot of the movie because the first day we shot all the uh, exterior driving stuff. And I remember him. I go, Nick, look at this, and I showed him this thing. It looked like Gone in sixty seconds. It was just badass. Dave Newber again, amazing DP. And I said, uh, I said, man, how cool is this? And he's like, well, Kevin, we're in it now. <laughs> I was like, awesome. <laughs> We are in it now. And then as he went down to fight the creatures, we only have one suit for each creature. So once he Nick destroyed, it was over. Oh, wow. And then he destroyed these things. You feel bad for them. So, yeah. So there were eight creatures, seven suits, and then Ozzy was a puppet. Every time he would nail a creature and take it down, he goes uh, one down, seven to go, you know, and then four down, four to go. It was just the coolest thing. And it was so awesome setting up the shots. And then I would hear him like, he wasn't Nick come to set. He wasn't in his trailer. He was right there. Sometimes guys, he was there. We were second team and stand-ins and he was there and he came in to hold the punch pop. That's Nick Cage. Ah. It was amazing. Because he didn't have to do that. You read, you hear about actors who, you know, just do their lines and then they're out and then they get someone to do a stand in and over the shoulder, you know, that's not Nick. And so he, he came in and he would nail it. I mean, and he, I, I told him, I said, I only had like two and three takes to do stuff, Nick, I'm sorry. And uh, cause I don't have the time. And, and he goes, well, Kevin, I, I like to get in one. And I'm like, wow, that's just so cool. He comes in with punch pop and it's like, boom, lens, focal length, perfect. Everything. AC's happy. We're all happy. Let's roll. Perfect. As far as the suits go, I know you said they're all like destroyed. Did you keep anything from the production or any of the remnants? The production studio landmark, I think, has the suits and they also have the pinball machine. But what's cool, guys. So we have a pool in our backyard. We're, We're in Orange County and we have Willie sign. Oh, that's wow. great. We got the Willie sign. That's I got cool. the Willie sign. That's amazing. I got to do a picture of it. Oh, that something. is. I'll show it to people. But that, that my is. wife's like, oh my gosh, are people going to come over the fence and you know, take pictures? And I'm like, I, I hope so. Yeah. But, but, uh, it's cool. And it's, uh, I talked about I met next door neighbor the other day. And I'm like, well, now I know you think I was a freak all this time, but you know, here's my movie. And that's the sign. Yeah, from it. that's so, amazing. He saw it and he loved the movie. So, <laughs> so with the pinball machine, was it made? Like from the ground up, was it a modified previously existing pinball machine? What was it? How was it made? It was made from the ground up. I'm sorry. I don't remember the creator. Molly coffee knows she she's tweeted it on her, on her Twitter. So people want to check it out. He did an amazing job. So what was cool with that was on uh, my birthday, actually, uh, I think colors out of space opened. And so I went there with a lot of the crew to see it. And it was so cool seeing Nick's new movie. And, stuff. and I met the uh, creator of the pinball machine there. And he did such an amazing job. I mean, just amazing. And then, and then Frank Gabriel did the artwork. 
all the willy cartoons, the, the Anna Barbera, Woody Woodpecker look. That's kind of what I wanted. It's kind of cool. Frank Gabriel, I think, worked for Hanna Barbera. He uh, did uh, the Bill and Ted animated show, I think, a little bit. But anyways, a friend of mine hooked me up with him. And so he did all the, the cool artwork that's in the pinball machine. And what I, what I love about it, and it's kind of an inside joke, but I think it's true is that, you know, if you look at Chuck E. D's and his pizza and you look at these cart the cartoons of them, they look nothing like the animatronics. The animatronics are scary looking, right? Yeah. It was weird looking. But then you see the cute, you know, the, the, the cartoons. And so that's what I wanted with Willie's. I just wanted that inside joke that's like, look at the cartoon of Willie, the anime Willie, and look at what our Willie is. It looks nothing like. Right. You know, but that's what these kids' places are, you know? <laughs> and so I thought that was really fun. Yeah, I was thinking about the fight scenes with Nick and the animatronics that are so much fun to watch, like the bathroom stall scene uh, and the gorilla. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. about uh, some of these fight scenes and how they were constructed in tight spaces. Uh, were those real location bathrooms or was it a mix of bathroom and set? It was all set. It was all built because we had to move oh, walls wow. and things like that to put the camera. It was funny, you know, when we were looking at locations way back when we were trying to get it going and might even shoot in LA and we went to this place and it was so small. And I was like, you just see the death of your movie right there. Sure. You're, you're happy that you're going to make a movie. And of course, a Nick Cage movie. But then you go in and you go, God, this is just not what I'm envisioning. And I'm not some, you know, director with attitude. and I'm throwing a temper tantrum. But I'm like, man, this movie's just not it. It had to be built. The sets had to be built. I was very adamant about that because I wanted to move the camera. We shot with the, um, the Airy Mini, and, uh, and so it was a smaller camera. And I wanted to, I wanted to you know, drive, I think, shot with that camera. And I, I just I wanted to be able to put the camera in, in, in weird spaces, you know. So like fridge cam, you can't show up on the first you know, one of the days and go, okay, let's put the camera in the fridge. No, you have to saw the back of the fridge, you know. you got to do sink cam. you got to be able to pop it in the sink. There are things that that's why the shot list was so valuable. Because I said fridge cam and this thing. And so I could show, you know, the props and what they could do, you know, and stuff. So we get everything prepped. Interesting was the, the finale of Willie's was going to be in the rain. And uh, I wanted, you know, that element. And I know we've seen rain fights before, but I, I just thought it'd be cool. I, originally, I was going to, I wanted to be like this crouching tiger moment. Oh, wow. Slow-mo. <laughs> and I wanted like, like, like the janitor and Willie and it just entwined with each other in the air and then just punching in slow-mo 120 frames per second, the, the tooth, the fang flying out, you know? And then again, of course, you know, Kevin, you have 20 days and that goes out the window, but we did set up for rain, but I was worried because I'm like, man, I got seven, eight pages this day and we're not working the water. Like, I, I don't know, man. And, uh, and so it was just really weird. Like this idea hit me and I was like confetti, the birthday time button. And so we didn't have the birthday time button in most of the, uh, I know for the people that love the Easter eggs or look for little mistakes, the birthday button is not in the beginning, like first half of this movie, but probably over an hour in because I thought about it at the very end. Interesting. Wow. So I was like, well, that makes sense. He hits the birthday button because before it was the fire extinguisher. I say he hits the birthday button and then like Technicolor confetti comes out. 
because that's what it would be for a kid's birthday. So I was really excited about that idea, actually. And Nick really liked it and everybody liked it. And so we did it that way. And I thought it worked out really cool. You know, Leo, you had more questions, man. Go for it. Yeah. So a fistful of caffeine to your kisser, the punch pop yeah. and yeah. the Willie's Wonderland T-shirts. How do yeah. we get them? <laughs> will they be sold as merch for the movie? I'm hoping that'd be great. You know, uh, the t-shirts I know they're selling right now. I think they're um, out of stock, but I think they're coming back. What a wonderful thing, man. You know, I, I grew up on star Wars, like, you know, everybody did in the seventies and uh, of course eighties. But uh, I remember in 77, man, I was, I was six years old, um, seven years old, 78 and stuff. And getting those ring t-shirts yeah. with, with the star Wars, yes. right. That yeah. was the inspiration. Yeah. For the Willie shirt to make it a ringer yeah. tee, right? Yes, nice, a ringer tee. Nice. A ringer tee. And Jeremy was the one that said uh, he okayed it because I was I was working on something else, and he's like, "Yeah, that's the one that it's you know." And it's just an awesome shirt. So yeah, the ringer tees. How cool were they, right? And so, and then Punch Pop was interesting because we were trying to get product placement, and uh, Dave, my DP, was like, "What about Jolt Cola?" And Jolt looked pretty cool. Um, but it was glass. You know, I was like, ah, can we get cans? You know, and so, and so the producers were on the phone trying to get Coke. And of course, that's like, you know, we'd be still here waiting for them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was on the phone with Molly, production designer. She was, what do you want this can? Because I, I kept pushing, I want our own can. We're building our own Willy universe. Let's just have our own can. It's our own pop, you know, uh, uh, pinball machine, our t shirt. You know, like, let's do it. So finally, I was kind of rooting in my way, like, I don't want product placement. I know they're going to give money. I know all that. But I was like, I want to do our own can. And Molly called me one day and she's like, well, what do you want on this can? And I was like, oh, boy, because it's easy to say you want something original. But then what is it? Right. And I think in the script, it was like root beer that he drank. But anyways, and it just came to me. It was punch pop. Fistful of caffeine to your kisser. <laughs> yes. nice. I wanted to ask about how you, you said the fridge cam and the sink cam and all that stuff. And I noticed in the beginning of the movie, gasoline gets poured on the viewer. Yeah. All these, it's so yeah. immersive. You're in it, man. Yeah. Have you ever well, thought, yeah. did you ever think about like this movie in 3D would be amazing oh, too, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. Yeah. Gosh, guys, that's so interesting. Because I actually worked for a company called Venture 3D. They were like one of the top uh, uh, companies uh, doing stereo conversion at the time. They did Green Hornet. They did uh, Priest. They did Titanic. Oh, cool. Oh. They're, yeah. They're so wow. funny. They're, they're doing J- Titanic. And it's like talk, trying to get to James Cameron was worse than the president. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be calling up Cameron for him to okay shots. And he'd be like, oh, sorry, Jim's at the bottom of the ocean now. Uh, call you back. You know, and oh, J- Jim's, Jim's yeah. in a, you know, skyhopter. Yeah, he's got a I mean, it's just crazy. Um, so I had a lot of experience with 3D because I was working with them. I was going to direct uh, the first movie out of it the, because they produced, they wanted to produce. And so they were, we were going to do a stereo conversion 3D movie. It was going to be a horror action movie, kind of in the vein of a Resident Evil. Cool. That's the one that I had Maz attached to. And um, so anyways, I, I spent a lot of time with 3D, years. I know a lot of the tricks of the trade of it. And so it's interesting you said that because I think 
honest, an honest answer to you is no, I didn't think 3D, but maybe subconsciously I did because I was there. We were screening 3D footage and working. I was going to Korea four or five times. I went to Korea and saw those, those great people working on the conversions of these movies. And I'd be sitting in there watching the different uh, layouts and, and, the, and the stuff. And so, yeah, that might be interesting. I think subconsciously there could be something to say. But in terms of honesty, no, I didn't think 3D. Another- well, I'm thinking 3D sequel. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My language now. Yes. Oh, that'd be amazing. Another fun addition to the cast is Emily Tosta. What did you love about what she brought to Liz? Oh, she was so great. M was just, she was game for anything. She was just so fun to work with. She brought attitude. She reminded me, I have a niece, uh, Bridget. She's going to nursing school in uh, Grand Canyon University. And she reminded me of Bridge a lot. And just that spiciness and that attitude that she brought and just, just cool, you know, and uh, loved working with M. You know, she's just fantastic. All smile on her face when she'd walk on set. She just brightened the day for everybody. She's just great. No, yeah. she was a joy to watch. And musically, yeah. Yeah. musically, there's so much yeah. going on as well. The, the oh, incredibly M-Wa. creepy M was that who did all the, the, the six little right. chickens and the birthday song. Right. He did the whole soundtrack plus oh. Willie voice. Plus wow. the Willie voice. Wow. So in the script, we didn't really wow. have a Willie voice. And he brought birthday time and all that. It was birthday time, I think, in the script, but he brought six little chickens, all that. That was, that was Emwa, and he did it all himself. He didn't have a music editor. He didn't have anything. He did that all himself, and he did the Willie voice. And how cool is that? Oh, it's amazing. Oh, wow. Now, how much yeah. of that was done in pre-production? Was, like, was any of that stuff available on set for people to react to, or was that all post? Great question. He did the birthday song before. And so I talked to him in November and I said, I wanted to have a birthday theme and I wanted to be twisty and turning in this movie, turn it on its head and things like that. And so he did the birthday song and he took a Chuck E. Cheese video and he put the song on it. And when I met Nick for the first time in wardrobe, I showed it to him and Nick was like far out. He loved it. And so we had the birthday song on set. So when the character would start up and do their thing, we would play it. And I knew we had a hit, man, with that song. The crew would come in the next day and go, man, I can't get that song out of my head. I have nightmares or I love it. You know, and, uh, and it's so funny because there were times where I was like, uh, all right, cut it. Enough with the birthday song. With just a single shot here. <laughs> Good. We don't need the birthday song, you know. And, 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 but it was awesome. And I knew when I heard that song, it just was incredible. And he's such an incredible guy. He's become one of my best friends through this movie. We've be- I feel like I've known uh, M.O. since uh, elementary school. I mean, I want him to do all my films. He's just great. And he clicks with my, not only me, but my friends like Scott Harbour, who, who uh, uh, helped produce the movie, and Jeremy uh, Daniel Davis, the producer of the movie. It's just been just fantastic. And you guys, man, we're all the same mind, you know? And, and uh, it's funny, you know, you read, you read reviews, and of course, you're going to get bad reviews and everything. And you see these critics, and I, sometimes I read them, and it's like, man, you guys wouldn't even like this movie if it, anyways, I right. mean, if I had thirty million with with uh, with Meryl Streep, you're going to Willie's Wonderland just eat your ju- jam. That's good. That's cool. No problem. It's a hey, everybody has their thing, you know. But I just love it that people are really like you guys are digging this movie so much and and watching it three and four times and 
hearing the stories of just like moms watching them with their kids and had a bonding experience or, uh, you know, uh, someone just said they had a really bad day or whatever and just put a smile on their face. With, with COVID going on and, and, and the political landscape, it's like, how cool is that? Every day I have a love fest with the producer and MWA and all, all the guys who worked on it. I miss the crew so much. I, they, Skype, they Skype me or, or Zoom me the other day. Sunday, they had a big screening in Georgia. I got to talk to every one of them. I said, I'm working really hard to try to get another project to go out there. We had such a great time, everybody, you know, and it's everybody's movie. I told them that. It's not my movie. It's everyone's movie, man. There was a lot of love, blood, sweat, and tears on this picture, you know, and I couldn't have done it without them. And I want to do more movies with them. Love to do more movies with Nick. Hell yeah. Well, there's a question. Are are there any more adventures in store for the janitor, man? He's got a whole series. I'd love to do it. (laughs) Like I said, I've got like a Mad Max vibe to the next one. And I picture like Frankenstein, Willie and, you know, somebody pitched to me today. It was really cool. Like I have all the creatures come out and have their different parts patched together as, as one. So you oh. like a Byron Sarah. And go, and how cool is that? Right. Very amazing. I, think, I think that the, the, the ideas are endless. I think that there definitely should be a sequel. I would love to be a part of it. Um, I hope there is the fans want it, which is awesome. You know, you got to make a good one, you know, and I think we could, um, I hope Nick would be down for it. It's got to be, you know, he's got to say yes. Um, so we'll see. I'm just loving that people are digging this movie so much. I just enjoy talking to you guys so much. Uh, I'm just enjoying that I'm living, man. <laughs> yeah, Here. I mean, what you I, went yeah. with COVID. through with COVID, I mean, do yeah. you want to talk a bit about that? I mean, that that no, was crazy. I, I beat it, man. You know, I mean, two weeks, I didn't know if I, I could. I was fine. And then now I'm in the ICU fighting for my life. You know, seeing, you know, my next door neighbor, uh, Donald, who's 80 and listening to his friends and family telling him goodbye, wow. telling him his sister, what a great brother he, he, he was, you know, people think this thing's a hoax. It's crazy. It's not a hoax, you know, and, and the doctors and nurses, heroes, unsung heroes. And they said they wish they could bring the cameras in and have people who think this is a hoax, just have them sit there for a day. Yeah. You can't because it's COVID. So my wife and kids, I have four, they can't see, they couldn't see me. And I can, you know, no one can see their loved ones. So you're there isolated. You're there like you came into this world alone. Mm. And it's a very scary thing. And uh, I had to fight every day. There's people that don't listen to the doctors and nurses and they pass. The IV specialist, the night I was in the ICU, was hooking me up. And then he said, you know, uh, my father-in-law, Gary, died. He died of it in December. And he said, you know, he didn't believe it. Even if he had it here, he didn't believe it. And uh, he had his girlfriend pick him up. And he was a heavy smoker and drinker. And he didn't make it to the front door. He passed away. Mm. He said, Kevin, listen to the doctors and nurses. Do what you're told. Yeah. And then he said, can I pray for you? And I was like, yes. And, you know, when someone asks they can pray for you, man, you know you're in big trouble. Right. He did an amazing thing. And he prayed for me. And so many people prayed for me. My friends had services all over. My wife set something up at 1 p.m. Emwa did that, I think, too. He helped her. At 1 p.m., they had a prayer for me. And that's why I would text my friends and, and people I haven't even seen and friends from elementary school. And I would just tell them, I didn't want to do a dour text or anything. So I was like, look, 
I just told them the one thing that I remember, you know, I remember walking with my friend, Michael at UCD in Denver talking about, we're going to make movies together. And he has long hair all the way to his back, you know? And uh, I remember my friend Dean, you know, p- putting uh, chili peppers into the Pepsi and showed <laughs> pizza you know, and, and getting everybody sick. And I wanted to put that in the movie, by the way, I couldn't find it. <laughs> my, my friend, Scott, who's a producer on this movie. He's like a big brother to me. I remember my sister, Aaron and Sean, and how my, my two sisters and how it's the coolest. Aaron took me to the comic book stores when I was a kid. I would beg her to the comic book stores. I would beg her to see the black hole. And she'd say, well, where is it playing? And I would say, it's a theater near you, you know? And uh, um, Pidey Man, I'd watch the old Spider-Man cartoon from the 60s. I'd run around Pidey Man. And she'd always bring that up to me. And I just told her, you know, how much I loved her. And my, I thought my sister, Sean, was the coolest. She took me to Star Wars, took me to... Empire Strikes Back when I was a kid. Um, it was sold out and I was with my mom and was with her and we, we uh, Sean and Jim and they, we were, I was on the steps. At that time, you could be on the steps of the aisle. It was a, we got the last tickets. You know, These are the things I just hit in my mind and remembered. And I told everybody about that and I just told them how much I loved them. It was great. It was my punch pop. Got through yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And then, and then here you come out, and this, this celebration is is what happens too, I'm right? Talking to you guys, and uh, it's just yeah. so exciting. Oh man, amazing! Uh, and you got so many more yeah. stories to tell. It's so awesome yeah. that that. Oh my yes. god, we're gonna make more movies like Willie's, man. We're hell gonna do yeah, it. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yes. yes. Now, one yes. more thing, I gotta say this before we no. go, man. And no. I, you know, from seeing the movie and the set design and everything, all I'm thinking, and we're we're out in the cow, we're in Burbank, right? So we're by okay. Universal Studios well, yeah, and all that. We after COVID, after COVID, definitely. We're gonna, let's do lunch or something. Let's right? do yeah, it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yes. But okay. all I could think of going through this is Universal or Knotts or someone like this has to team up with you guys and do a Willy's Wonderland walk through haunted attraction. You guys, you guys yes. are so cool. You right? know that? Yes. Emma yes. said that to me. Oh. Emma was like, yeah, this, this is, this is gold. Yeah. This is gold. They got to do this. It's and, so, uh, it's laid out all for them, man. The super happy fun room, everything, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, that would be great. Wouldn't that be awesome? So cool. My favorite thing would have these, if Willie and his gang would be into the horror lexicon, man, with Chucky and all the greats, Michael Myers and stuff. And who knows, but when that, I, that was, I, tr- like I said, man, I treated the, I treated those kids, the, those creatures reverence, man. I gave them respect. Mm, you could you know, tell a lot of people like just a bunch of yeah. dumb animals and they're goofy. No, man, not to me. You know, they're, they're the co-stars of this movie. You know, I, I and, and uh, the stunt people did such a wonderful job and uh, the voice actors, Abel and Mark and and just did. And, and of course, Jess doing Siren Sarah and and Emma Willie and just amazing brought them to life. You know, so every, like I said, it, it's a team sport, you know, directing. Got to get a great team, you know, and uh, we had a fantastic team on this and. I'm hoping to bring them back on the next one. And man, if the fans want it and demand it, let's go do Willie's too. I'm down. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, yes. Kevin, man, thank you again so much for your time. Yes. We appreciate yeah. it so much. This is an absolute delight for us, yeah. man. Seriously. Yeah, man. Thank you guys. I hope to see you soon. That was the 200th episode of the Boo Crew podcast. Special thanks to our guest, Kevin Lewis. Follow Kevin at Kevin Lewis official on Instagram and see Willie's Wonderland. Land, a time of release in theaters on demand and digital now. 
production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGTBQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.